And the Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion as chief cornerstone, elect, I like that, Jesus is elect, <laughs> elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. We'll stop there for tonight. And we've been looking at First Peter, and uh, I think really uh, a lot of the theme of this, especially if you understand uh, what Peter was living through and living in at this time, I, we, we come to realize that loyalty to Jesus will bring trials. I think we've all lived long enough to experience this and to know this, not to the level that Peter has experienced it, not to the level that many before us have experienced it, but the fact still remains, loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ brings trials into our life. And, you know, we, we see trials from government, we see trials from, from religion, we see trials from family, when you try to serve and be loyal to Jesus Christ. I mean, you just think about when Peter was writing this and, and Nero here as, as uh, emperor over Rome and some of the just unspeakable things that came about of, of, uh, out of the mind and the heart of Nero to do. It was said that, that uh, he would light his gardens with the bodies of Christians that he lit on fire, that he placed all throughout, his, uh, all throughout the gardens and would light them on fire every night. We know that in the Colosseums he'd bring the Christians in and the animals in. And, and uh, he, I mean, uh, so many of them were just torn to shreds and butchered. And I mean, we could go on and on. And you can go home tonight and you can look up the history of, of just Nero alone. I mean, we, I, I know many have, have believed that, or at least it was surmised, people thought were kind of... Uh, kind of believe that maybe Nero was the one who set fire to Rome, and they had no proof of it, but it sure was convenient. I think it was Rahm Emanuel who said, never let a crisis go to waste, right? And uh, thankfully, you know, for Nero, thankfully, this whole area that burned down, he was able to, to build what he had planned to build there anyway. Just so convenient, that is. And, uh, and though, though they weren't really able to prove a lot, I mean, there is one fascinating thing that came out of this is according to history, Nero blamed the Christians. And I think that's great. Because now he's just validated there were Christians at that time in Rome. <laughs> People say, well, they never existed. You know, these atheists come along and they'll say all sorts of funny things or other, you know, kind of challenge whether Christians were even there. And it's like, well, I don't know, Nero blamed them. Obviously, they must have been there. What am I saying? Tonight is that we, we have opposition we have trials that come from the governments that, that people, that Christians have lived under and do live under uh, from religion. I mean, I, I mean, just look at the Catholic Church in and of itself and the millions that have been killed by the Catholic Church. What about the, the likes of Calvin and Luther and some of these early reformers 
who were responsible for much persecution among the Baptists. I know they, they called Servetus a, a blasphemer, and there's some things with him that I don't know completely about, but uh, uh, they were sure quick, right, to uh, condone and to, uh, to uh, stand behind the, the murder of, 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 of uh, Christians, and namely in that time of Baptists. They couldn't stand them. But we see this, trials from government, trials from religion, trials from our own family. You know, I think this is one of the most difficult ones there is. Trials from family. It really is. I remember Job. Job was sacrificing. He said, he said lest they've sinned against God. Right? He, he didn't know how his kids were living at the time. They are out of the house, obviously. They were living somewhere else uh, when, the, when, when it came through and they all died. Right? But uh, he was actually sacrificing for them. Just in case, just in case they were, weren't living right. And uh, we know tonight we can't sacrifice for our children like that, can we? They've got to have a personal relationship with the living God on their own. And, and that brings up some real trials in life, doesn't it? When they choose a different path, when they go a different direction, when they, when they, when they don't agree, right? Uh, let me say it this way. I think one of the greatest trials is, well, you can, and here's what it all comes down to, they didn't believe you. And let me say this, they didn't believe the Word of God. And so, so many of them just come along and absolutely destroy their life. And the reason is they just didn't believe the book. They were given it, they were taught it, they were trained in it, they lived in it. They have, uh, I mean, no excuse whatsoever. But you know what, they have a will of their own. And they choose not to believe. It's tough. It really is. Some of the greatest trials come into a life because of this. Think about this. It's nothing new, is it? Adam and Eve had a little trouble, didn't they? <laughs> Adam, half, half of their first, I don't, how many believe Adam, uh, Cain and Abel were twins? I think it's possible. But uh, if that's the case, half of what they, their first batch uh, uh, was wicked and walked away, right? He obviously had been taught. He came to sacrifice himself, Right? But God said, no, I don't, want, I don't want fruit and vegetables. They may have looked great. They may have been beautiful. They, could you imagine what the vegetables in the garden looked like? Or, I mean, not the garden, but the, the, the vegetables at that time would have looked like. I think they'd have been pretty awesome. Doesn't matter how good it looks, right? All that matters is what God wants, right? What, what would you know about vegetables and turnips? You can't get blood out of them, can you? Right? God wanted a blood sacrifice. What about Isaac with Jacob and Esau? What about Eli with Hophni and Phinehas? What about Samuel with his two sons? Uh, I mean, David and, and Absalom and, and uh, all of the, the turmoil that went on in his home and Solomon and Rehoboam. I mean, you look at this. It, it is nothing new that, that, that uh, people that have walked after God and followed God and loved God, they've had family that have just not gone along with them. They haven't, Right? And uh, it's tough to deal with at times. I mean, when you think about it, Eli and David and Solomon, they all had their own faults in raising children. A lot of it they brought on themselves. And God dealt with them. But what about Samuel? Do you know God never said anything about Samuel and his children? You know what Israel was upset about? They, Israel didn't want his sons uh, coming in after Samuel uh, because he said, well, they're taking bribes. And yes, there were, there were some issues going on there, but we don't see any area. I mean, Eli was flat out corrected by God, 
right? I mean, his whole line was wiped out. Obviously, you look at the choices of David, what he brought into the house. You look what Solomon brought into the home. You look at what some of these others brought in, but uh, there's not much uh, said about Samuel. Hey, let me remind you of this. You know what God said about Israel? He said, I nurtured them and I took them up and they still rebelled. Right. Yeah, what happened? They had a free will. What happens? Sometimes they just don't believe you. But listen, it brings trials into the home. Why? Because you're heartbroken. Yep. Third John, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. The opposite of that is, is the opposite of that is devastating. It really is. And so trial listen, trials are going to come if you are going to be loyal to Jesus. If the, listen, can I, can I just give you this? I don't know if anybody has this issue, but there's people walking, watching online and maybe down the road they'll watch. One of the worst things you can do with your children that are walking away from God is for you to follow them. The greatest thing they need is to watch you not change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so trials are going to come from government. They're going to come from religion. They're going to come from family. They, they're going to come in what we see here in First Peter. And what I, what I see here in, in chapter 2 is trials, if they really, sometimes, they, listen, we're all there, we all go there. We all have them come into our life. Trials, if we're not careful, they can kind of do a number on our appetite for the word. You ever been discouraged at trials? You ever been discouraged in trials and you thought, well, what's the use of praying? No, you won't say those words. You won't. But the prayer stops. And the Bible reading kind of wanes away. And church attendance gets slim. I mean, it just starts, it starts here and starts going down, right? What, what causes sometimes, sometimes it's not just sin. Sometimes it's discouragement from trials. And they get overwhelming, it says here, we saw this, uh, I guess it was last week, it was, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. This is a command, right? Babies desire milk. They desire them. And what, is, what you're saying here is we ought to be desiring the sincere milk of the word of God. What did we see last week? If you are not desiring the milk of the word of God, there is something wrong. There is something out of line. There is something out of order. What is it? Verse 1. Well, malice. Maybe there's malice. What is that? Extreme enmity. A spirit of revenge. I'm going to get him back. Maybe there's malice there. Maybe there's some guile, craft, and deceit going on in your life. Maybe there's some hypocrisies going on. Maybe there's some envy, some discontent when other people are happy, some discontent when other people are succeeding. Envies are coming along. Evil speakings, right? Listen, these things are, 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 are a list here, or some things that can be a part in... And, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They can be evident in our life, uh, which is some of the result of our lack of a desire for the Word of God. And see, some of these things can show up when trials come. Yep. When you're facing trials under government, how many get a, how many get a spirit of malice towards the government? <laughs> you just want to see revenge. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Extreme enmity. Sometimes I think some of it's righteous indignation, right? But, but some, of it, some of it may not be right. Yeah. Guile. 
Well, they make enough money off us. They don't need to know what else I make. <laughs> right? Yeah. They can show up in times of trials. These things can show up. But think about, think, listen, think about when it comes to the trials by family. Some of the greatest things that we struggle with with the trials of family, of relatives, of loved ones, of even children, yeah, I think is the area of envy and hypocrisy. What do you mean? It's really easy to look at another family that looks all to their kids. They got it all together. I, I'm telling you, it's pretty easy to get envious. You can look at a family and they have a lineage of godliness and you don't. I mean, they've got their father and grandfather and great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather. and Everybody has served God and loved God. and I mean, they just have this godly, goodly heritage. And it's very easy. You can get envious. You can, be careful. you can get envious. Say, I don't have that. Well, that must be nice. Right? Must be nice. What am I saying? Trials can bring these things out of us. You've got to be careful. What happens when these things come out of us? What happens? You begin, watch, you begin to get, lose your appetite for the things of God. Peter's warning here, listen, that we can lose our appetite. Yeah. So, is there help? To help us to continue to walk with the Lord in the midst of the trials. That's an easy one. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine? I said, nope, sorry. <laughs> That'd be bad. Yes, there is. Yeah, yes, there is. And there are things that help. What do we do? Look at this. Look at this. Uh, number one in uh, verse two. As newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Right. Now notice there's a colon there. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If so be that ye have tasted <clears throat> that the Lord is gracious. Abate, watch, there is a connection here. Desire is linked to memory. Say, what do you mean? When a baby desires milk, when the hunger pains come on, why? Because they remember the taste of the milk. They remember, how, I mean, how many of you remember being that little and getting a bottle and enjoying I don't. But all I know is I did. <laughs> right? There was, right, you get that and they, you don't know, I mean, but they remember, they see that bottle coming and man, they, here they go. They're excited. Right? Watch. Desire is linked to memory. Desire is linked to memory. Notice verse 3. That colon. Verse 3 is linked to the desire of the sincere milk of the word of God. What is the memory that is linked to desire in verses 2 and 3? Look at verse 3. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Notice that use of that word tasted there. I like that. Why does a baby desire the, sincere, the, the milk, that little milk? Because it's tasted it. Linked to memory. Sees it and hunger pains come on. Starts seeing that bottle. Boy, it's getting excited. Yeah. Well, listen, watch this. Watch this. How, how, do we, why do, how do we get the desire for the milk of the Word of God? 
right? Because we have tasted what? That the Lord is gracious. He's gracious. Don't just brush over this. This is really actually huge. This is what helps us desire the word. This is the link between the desiring of the milk of the word that we are commanded to desire. This is the link between that and the, and the, 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 the desire and the taste. Right? If you've tasted the graciousness of the Lord. That word gracious there means kind. It means benevolent. Notice something else in here. That the Lord is gracious. This is present tense. This is always that God who is the eternal now, who is always right now, is always right now gracious. He will never not be gracious. You will never meet Him on a certain time of a certain day when He's not gracious. Right? You'll never get up and catch Him like, oh boy, I'd, yeah, He got Him at a wrong time. No, He is always gracious. I love this. Watch, if we could remember, if we could remember the taste of the graciousness of God. You remember that in your life? Have you, can you look back in times when you have been overwhelmed by how benevolent and how kind God has been to you? I tell you, some of the greatest memories of the kindness and the benevolence of God comes after periods of sin. You say, oh, we sin after we're saved? Come on, we're old enough in here, we know. There's times of sin. I'm telling you, there's nothing like going to your father with confession and a heart of repentance, and walking away knowing that he is kind and benevolent. Yeah. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what I say that is? That is a taste of the graciousness of God. It absolutely is. The Word of God reminds us of this all over the place. Luke 6.35, Jesus said, But love your enemies and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. We have a gracious Father, don't we? Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Why? He is a benevolent, kind, gracious Father. Romans 2.4, Or despisest thou the riches of the goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? What leads us to repentance so many times? His goodness, His graciousness, His kindness. How much He loves us. Watch, when the trials in our life are overwhelming and you've lost the desire for the Word of God, you've lost the desire for prayer, you've lost the desire to assemble with the body, watch, here's, here, let me give you a little help. Stop where you are and begin to remember the graciousness and the kindness of God toward you. Amen. You know what that will start doing? Start putting that taste back in your mouth. Remember him. Hey, listen, I know where I was when the Lord saved me. Do you? Yeah. I know what's in my past. Do you know what's in your past? I know where, hey, listen, I know what's in my past since I've been saved. 
And I can't help but remember Lamentations 3. He says, then I recall to my mind. Then I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. He said, when I thought about it, when I brought it up to my memory, watch, when I'm going back and tasting, that's what he's doing. I recall to my mind, he's tasting. He said, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Friend, we have a gracious God tonight. We have a gracious Father tonight. When the trials come into our life, when the heaviness comes to life, when it begins to, when it begins to, to zap some of the fervor and the zeal and the desire for God, one of the best things we can do is stop and think that the Lord is gracious. Psalm 77, listen to verses 6 through 10. I call to remembrance my song in the night. He's remembering, he's tasting. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Listen to what he says. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean, gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Pause and think about that for a while. And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. You know what David is saying? Well, right here, will he cast us off forever? Will he be favorable for no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? David says, no, not at all. He will always be that. And David said, I'll remember the... I'll, I'll, what's he doing? I'll remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'm going to go back and taste and see that the Lord is good, that He's gracious. Amen. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. <laughs> Psalm 34, 8. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, happy, content. Blessed is the man, that trusteth in Him. I'm going to let you go early tonight. But I don't want to get past this right here. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you, that you may grow thereby, thereby. Colon. Why? How can you do this? If so be... You have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Amen. Yeah. If you're going through trials tonight, if your hunger for the word has dried up tonight, if it doesn't seem like prayer works and like it doesn't matter tonight, if you seriously wonder if there's purpose in going on in life, oh, listen, friend, people get there and you'll never know it. Would you stop right where you're at tonight and take some time to remember how good God is to you, how good He is to us? Oh, that verse again, then I recall to my mind. This is what we, this is what we need to do. We recall to my mind when I do that. Therefore, I have hope. Where is my hope come? When I begin to think about who God is and what He's done. 
It's of the Lord mercy that we're not consumed. Think about that. Because his compassions fail not. Why, why is it so imperative that we make sure that we fix this problem of a weak appetite for God? There's a reason behind it, you know. There's a big reason behind it. Why, are, why should we make sure we keep that appetite for the things of God? Why do we make sure that we desire the sincere? And that word sincere is speaking about it being a, a, a nutritious, completely whole and, and mature, full and lacking nothing. I'd love to spend all the time to tell you what's in a mother's milk. It's fascinating. I think I might have said that a week ago. But I don't have time to do that. Why? Why? Look at this. I'm trying to find my verse here. <laughs> Look at this, verse 4. Why is it so imperative that we stay in a right relationship with God? To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even of them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Do you see verse 9? Why do, we, why do we need to keep close? Because we're a chosen generation. Because we're a royal priesthood. Because we're a holy nation. Because we're a, a peculiar people. Why? That we should show forth the praises of Him who's called us out of darkness unto marvelous light. Listen to me. We are lively stones unto God tonight. Because God desires to build something with your life that the world can look on and see Him. Can I tell you, when you've lost your appetite and you're anemic, you're not much of a lively stone. Yeah, you're an anemic stone. Still a stone, amen. But you're anemic. It's not, it's not possible to build something vibrant and alive with something that's weak and anemic, is it? Yeah. Are you troubled tonight? Are you discouraged? Maybe you're going through trials. What do you do? Just recall the graciousness of God. Yeah. Return to His Word. You'll start to become healthy again. Yeah. And the world will see God in your life. People talk about Lifestyle evangelism, right? And we would contend that, sure, that's an aspect of evangelism, of reaching the world with the gospel. It's not, we still need to go confront the world with the gospel. But lifestyle is a part of it. But if you're, 
Could you imagine depending on lifestyle evangelism and your life doesn't even show the world God? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is entry 101. This is a great place to start, but if you don't even have it here, oh, Lord, help us. If you're not, if you, if the desire for the things of God have, have dried up, you need to get back. And the way you get back is to think about who He is, meditate on it, meditate on it. One of the most powerful things you can do is just take some time and praise Him. Praise Him. Yeah. He's good. Amen. Amen. He is good. Our Father. It's an amazing thing that we can call a good God our Father. It's an amazing thing that we could come to the, the truth of your word and believe it. We believe it. That you are gracious and you are good and you are loving. You are all of the, every superlative that we could come up with, Lord, you are. And on top of that, we get to call you Father. Because of Jesus Christ, you are our Father. And so, Lord, tonight we want to thank you for how good you are and how kind you are, how benevolent you are. And, Lord, no doubt there's some that are going through trials and just tough times. They may be in this room or they may be watching online. They may be pick this up years down the road when this is on the Internet, pick it up years down the road. Lord, may they just know tonight that you're gracious and kind. Would you help us by your Holy Spirit to spend some time hearkening back and looking back. Would you, we ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to bring back to our memory the past events of when you were so kind and gracious to us. It was undeniable that you had showed up and been just so wonderful. Lord, would you help us to ponder those things? Lord, that our appetite for the Word would grow, that our desire for the Word would grow, that you could use us in a mighty way that the world would see you in us. Well, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand tonight? We don't have the instrument to play. but You can pray right where you are. He's good. He's a kind father. I always liked what... Love what Brother Bishop used to say. He'd say, God is a good father. He never abuses his children. <laughs> he never abuses. He's a good God. He's a good father. Yes, he is. Satan would love you to think otherwise. Satan would love us to get our eyes on the trials and, that, and cause us to think that God's not good. <laughs> Boy. What an unfortunate lie that is. Yeah. Well, amen. Well, we're going to be closed in a word of prayer tonight. And uh, just remember, we'll be Saturday morning. We'll men's prayer and uh, the weather. I, have any, I, don't, I haven't looked at the weather, but it's clear. We'll go out and knock some doors. If not too terrible. So, uh, be praying for that and then for the services on Sunday. Uh, and just be praying for one another. Brother Chuck Peace, would you...
Would you close us in a word of prayer tonight?